With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When the confetti drops in Houston and the book closes on the 2023 college football season, who's going to be the national champion? Who's going to be the champion of their specific conference? Well, it's August, it's talking season, and we are finally going to call our shot and make our prediction for all of those, among some other things during this show. Welcome into the Hard Count. We are live in living color, as we always are on this Thursday, August 10th, 2023, the last one in history, so we're going to make it an absolute movie. We're so glad to have you here. A lot of y'all that are new to the operation right now, getting ready for college football season, you have found your spot where we talk college football and only college football 365 days out of the year. So make sure you're subscribed, make sure you're locked in and all that because we got a lot to dive into. Like I just said, making our predictions a little bit later in the show. Before we get to that, though, we got some fall camp intel for you. That's right. They are practicing all over the country from Austin, Texas to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Also going to take a little look at what's going on in Clemson, South Carolina. They got high expectations this coming season. We'll give you the latest from all of those uh, spots right now. We're also going to give you our own little preseason poll because the AP poll kind of makes me chuckle every time it comes out, especially in the preseason, because it never has too much of an impact on the actual games being played or on a team's actual season. I understand there's some part of that where wherever you're ranked in the preseason kind of impacts you know your trajectory the rest of the season, but we have a specific poll that we're going to put out for y'all, and it is fittingly titled the Zero Games Played Poll. Okay, there's no games being played just yet, so we're just taking all these teams at face value, the eye test, if you will, and some teams or some polls rather go off of All-Americans that they've had or the roster. Like We're we're just going off the eye test. We're talking about ball and only ball right here on the hard count, so we're going to go ahead and make our picks off of that, give you our our college football playoff format, if you you will. You know, the the first four that are going to make it in, as if it were to start today as it stands right now, and then our top two. Notice, those are not predictions. So where things are in the zero games being played poll is very different than what our predictions are going to be. All right, so I'll leave it at that. So glad to have you here. Like I said, we only talk college football here, 365 days a year. Everything else that the other national shows may try and you know kind of package in with their show, kind of sneak it in there that's not college football related, we don't do that here. You're a fan of the sport. We're fans of the sport. We're fortunate enough to cover it for a living. So we're going to get together on this very platform multiple times a week, live at this time, 11 a.m. Eastern, and we'll have a real good time. If you're a podcast person, we, we appreciate you. We respect you. You can find The Hard Count with J.D. Paquel anywhere you get your podcast. So Spotify, Apple, wherever you get them, you can find them. No much more. I mean, not a lot more to be said right now. I mean, it is football time. We are less than, I think, I mean, gosh, I think we're 15 or so days away, right around two weeks from week zero. Can't waste too much more time. We're glad to have you here. Let's get right to it. Fall Camp Intel is rolling right along with Fall Camp, and we have a couple of schools that I think deserve a closer look when it comes to the buzz that's going on around them. And Texas is a school that will have buzz every single year. I mean, they're, they're last year in the Big 12. They're moving to the SEC. But y'all that know college football, if you watch the show, you know college football. Y'all that, that get it, this logo in Austin, Texas, 
It's got some weight to it. It's got a lot of juice with it as well and a, and a lot of you know, excitement around it, but there is some pressure that comes with wearing that burnt orange. And right now, they're in a unique position going into year three in the Steve Sarkeesian era to where there's a little bit higher expectations than there have been in, in you know, the last couple of seasons in Austin. And what we're hearing out of fall camp is Quinn Ewers, if you've been on social media at all, you saw, hey, my guy chopped the mullet off. He's all business. And I don't know if there's a correlation from chopping the mullet to being a better leader or what have you, but it sounds like he's really stepping into that leadership role. You would imagine some of that is having been named the starter already, which, you know, last year he's going back and forth and you're not, not sure if he's going to be the guy. Eventually he ends up being your guy. He ends up being your starting quarterback. And I think that probably has lent itself to a, a stronger just confidence within himself to be able to lead. So we're kind of speculating there, but the buzz out of fall camp is he's become a better and, and more established leader within that team. Jalen Catalan is a transfer defensive back from Arkansas to Texas, and they love what he's done to that secondary. They said he's kind of been, you know, a little bit of a revelation of sorts. Like he's a guy that if he's on your team, you love him. If you got to play against him, you hate him. I heard a story from practice where they're doing a special teams drill and you're blocking on punt and you're not full go. Okay, so I'll recap it. I'll back up a little bit. In this drill, you are trying to block the gunner from going down and tackling your punt returner. That is the drill they are working. Jalen Catalan is playing corner against the gunner. Not full go, not full contact, and Jalen Catalan gets beat. So whoever it was beat him with speed on the outside, kind of gets ahead of him, and Jalen Catalan runs up, gives him a little hip check. And I don't think it was dirty. It sounds like he didn't mean to do it on purpose. You know, it's kind of that gray area. But it sounds like the coaching staff really appreciated that in a way. Like, I don't know if they're encouraging that. But there's a little bit of an edge Jalen Catalan. And I think that's going to serve Texas well defensively if that kind of spreads across the team. Uh, Anthony Hill is a freshman edge defender for them. Don't know that he's going to start for them. I don't think that's probably where he sits right now, but the consensus out of fall camp is he is the most natural pass rusher they have on that roster. As a true freshman, that's saying something. Notice what I did not say. I did not say he's the best pass rusher. I did not say he's going to be a game wrecker, but just based on his physical gifts and his tools that he has most naturally, they love what he brings to the table. Don't be surprised if he ends up getting a package at edge or playing outside linebacker. Like I think he finds his way on the field somehow, some way. Don't know that it's in that starting 11, but dude has a ton of ability. He was a big get for them. They flipped him from Texas A&M to eventually get to Austin, and they're very glad to have him on campus. Now, anytime you talk to somebody close to Texas right now, they will just rave about that wide receiver room. I had somebody tell me they believe that they have four NFL wide receivers on that team right now. Jordan Whittington, A.D. Mitchell, Isaiah Naor, if he's healthy, is going to be a dude for them. Xavier Worthy, his name speaks for itself. They have so much ability in this room. I was told this is the best wide receiving core they've had in 25 years. Now, I didn't say they had a wide receiver there that was better than Roy Williams or anything like that, but just from the depth and the pure talent they have across the board, they got some dudes that are going to make Quinn Ewer's job a lot easier if he can get the ball to them in space. Also, Jonte Cook, a name that keeps coming up. You know, During spring camp, it kept coming up. We saw him catch a touchdown in the spring game. He's a big-time player from DeSoto. He's a local kid. They love what he brings to the table. Expect him to have a role in some way, shape, or form this year as well. So this is the most depth from people talking, you know, close to people in Austin. They've said this is the most depth that Texas has had in the last decade. Texas has always been talented. They've always had a lot of pieces. But this is the most depth they've had in the last decade. And 
throughout the course of a season from August all the way to November, y'all already know this, it is very difficult to go wire to wire with the same starting 11 on both sides of the football. And what I was told, short of losing Jalen Ford at linebacker, because he's kind of the heart and soul of that defense, they feel like they have a lot of answers for that second unit to step in and, and be a factor and not have a tremendous drop-off. I mean, that says a lot about Texas. It says a lot about where they sit right now. Texas feels really good. If you haven't yet already got a membership to Inside Texas, would encourage you to do that. I mean, Bobby Burton is on top of this like nobody else, as well as the rest of the team there. So get a membership at Inside Texas. Stay up with everything there. And, uh, yeah, they, they feel good on the 40 acres right now. They, they're expecting a special season. Hard to blame them going into year three under Steve Sarkeesian. Really quickly, Make sure you're subscribed to this channel because we talk college football and only college football on this show, The Hard Count. Appreciate you in advance for doing that. We're surging towards 100,000 subscribers. Would love to have you a part of this. So thank you in advance for doing that. Also, if you could like the video while you're here, a little thumbs up button under the picture, that would be extremely helpful. So thank you so much. All right, let's move right on now to another team that has aspirations to do some things in the postseason. That's the Clemson Tigers. Clemson, South Carolina is a fascinating spot right now. Because they won the ACC last year. They've won the ACC actually seven of the last eight years. But a lot of people see Clemson as having taken a step back. And they're not all the way wrong because Clemson, I mean, for a minute there, they rolled off like five or six college football playoff appearances in a row until 2020. And they've kind of tapered off just a little bit. But last year... You had a a defense that was extremely solid. I mean, 75% of that production is back. The defense, I think, has one of the best linebacking combos in the country in Barrett Carter and Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Got Xavier Thomas back. Like, they feel good about that defense. The buzz, though, out of fall camp is around this new offensive scheme. Garrett Riley, remember, new OC, came from TCU to Clemson, South Carolina to kind of revitalize that whole offense. Also, a new quarterback. You had DJ Uyunglele, and now you got Cade Klubnick. Five-star kid out of Austin, Texas. They feel good about him. I, I would say if we're watching from the outside looking in, let's give him some time to really get into the system and have some time as a starting quarterback. But a good thing for the people in Clemson, South Carolina, all the reports around Cade Klubnick is that he is the unquestioned leader. And that is difficult to do before even you know being the guy for game one. I understand he was the starter at the end of last year, but he's now had a full offseason stepping up and not being just the quarterback but also being the guy and we understand there's there's a difference there being the quarterback you're listed as qb1 on the roster you're in charge for you know calling the play in the huddle getting everyone lined up but being the guy to be the guy means you're the leader it means everybody responds to how you react to situations it means when a bad play happens you look to the quarterback you look to the guy hey how how are we going to respond to this we feel good hey he seems composed i'm good with it so i mean the, the report is from seniors all the way down to freshmen, they all understand Cade Klubnick is the leader of that football team. That is a very, very good sign for people in Clemson right now. But the offense, man, has had a ton, a ton of excitement around it. Like, And that's not just people that cover Clemson saying that. That's people that play defense for Clemson. Barrett Carter, I believe, at ACC Media Days said, yeah, we, we kind of think we have figured out what they're doing one practice and the next practice they throw in a different motion. They throw a wrinkle off of a play that we thought we had down and like it just keeps us on our toes. And that is music to your ears if you're a Clemson fan because last year the offense, it felt very one-dimensional. We'll talk about Clemson a little bit later in this show, but you kind of felt like they didn't have that explosive element to the pass game. But Garrett Riley now, the report out of 
fall camp so far is he's going to do a much better job of scheming guys open. It's not going to be 50-50 ball to our six foot five plus tight end. Not going to be, you know, jump ball on the outside. Let's hope he comes down with the quarterback, give him a good ball. Like, I'm sure that element will still be involved and you'll have that. But for the, for the most part, Clemson wants to be a team where we're going fast, we're running the football. And when you think you have our play figured out and you want to cheat up a little bit, that's when you're wrong. That's when we have a big play downfield, strike up the band. Like, that's how they feel at Clemson right now with what they're building offensively. So morale is very, very high. Clemson won the ACC last year. They only threw for 6.8 yards a pass. It's not good. It's good for 86 in the country. Garrett Riley at TCU was top 20 with his offense in terms of yards per pass. They were right around 8 yards a pass. So it doesn't sound like a big difference. I assure you, in terms of explosive plays, they're going to be much better, and that is a big difference for Clemson going forward. They feel good about what they have in that wide receiver room too. Some guys that were dinged up last year that didn't really get to totally open up and, and make their impact felt. Bo Collins being one of those guys, Adam Randall being one of those guys, both names to watch, especially Adam Randall with his natural speed and his size. He's going to be a guy that I think has a, has a tremendous impact on that offensive game plan when it comes to the deep shots. Uh, last thing we want to talk about here, the buzz out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's kind of like Fort Knox. Fortunately, we have great people that, that work for On3. The Wolverine, get a membership there if you haven't. They're going to keep you as, as in the know as anybody else in the industry. Actually, more than anybody else in the industry. So we got to talk to them a little bit. And they have people that are dialed into that building. And they are saying that when it comes to, to fall camp right now, there is a confidence about themselves. And you would expect that from Michigan. I mean, they won the Big Ten the last two years. And... They beat Ohio State the last two years, been to the college football playoff the last two years, but it is very much so the eye on the ball kind of mentality for them right now. They don't just want to win the Big Ten. They don't want to just get back to the college football playoff. Like they want to get back and do some real damage. So for Michigan, that's the mission right now. It's no secret. It sounds like the offense is a touch more balanced. It's no secret. Last year, it was give the ball to Blake Corum, give the ball to Donovan Edwards, and we're going to be just fine running power at you and running for over 200 yards a game. And it's hard to blame Jim Harbaugh, hard to blame anybody on that staff. Can't blame J.J. McCarthy. Like, that was the way they got down, and they did it really, really effectively behind that big offensive line. But if this trend and this buzz around them being just a touch more vertical in the past game, being a touch more explosive and letting J.J. McCarthy cook a little bit more, if that buzz comes to fruition on the football field, like I don't know how you line up with Michigan. Because when they can run the ball for 200 yards a game, and then J.J. McCarthy takes that next step and throws the ball vertical to a Colston Loveland, who's a matchup nightmare. I mean, Cornelius Johnson, we saw what he could do against Ohio State. Like They've got a lot of weapons, and it sounds like with the tendency or the trend of them starting to open it up more, that gives me confidence about J.J. McCarthy and his maturation, but it also, I think, speaks volumes to what they think of those weapons in that room, to what they think about a Colston Loveland at tight end. So keep an eye on that. I think that's important to mention. Also, Josh Wallace, the transfer from Massachusetts, or UMass, as they're known in the college football world, the Minutemen, uh, he's had a really strong summer. They're really excited about what he could bring to the table in that secondary. Again, this defense, they bring a lot of people back, but even so, they think that he could be a guy that helps them this coming season. So Good reports all around right now in the fall camp situation from Texas, Clemson, Michigan, all three teams that you expect to push for some kind of hardware in their respective conferences. And uh, Michigan has got 
aspirations. Well, all these teams actually have aspirations to make some noise in the college football playoff. But I speak about Michigan because they're looking to finally get over the hump in the college football playoff and get themselves a natty. So that's what's going on in fall camp. But I promise you, we will keep you in the know and we will keep you locked in. And so will uh, those tremendous fan sites that are a part of what we do here at On3. Again, if you could like the video really quick, that'd be phenomenal. If everybody tuned in right now likes the video, we'll be well over 100 likes, and we would appreciate that immensely. Also, we are surging towards 100,000 subs. So if you could subscribe to the channel as well while you're here, get to 100K before this season, everybody's happy. Thank you very much. So the hard count is brought to you by the good people over at Game Time. And I just want to put you in the situation right now. Let's say it's rivalry weekend. It's Ohio State-Michigan. Last game of the college football regular season. You don't have tickets? Come on, man. We can't, we can't do that. We can't let that be the way that we finish the regular season or finish the college football season in general. So game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the big-time matchups. And we're about to get this college football started with elite deals with last-minute tickets and best price guarantee. So don't stress over getting to the game like Ohio State-Michigan. Don't stress to getting tickets to the Iron Bowl with the best prices. You're set at game time. So game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets on all of the sporting events, entertainment events. Want to go to a concert? They got you covered. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will credit you 100 110% of the difference, okay? So taking care of you there. Here's what we're going to do. Snag tickets without stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account. Here's the, here's, the, here's the tricky part. Use code HARDCOUNT, all right? So use the code HARDCOUNT. Tell them we sent you. You'll get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code HARDCOUNT for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. If you are to get to some games, you let us know because we're going to be on the road this week, this week, this year. Heck, we'll see what the rest of the week holds. We're going to be on the road this year at a lot of these big-time matchups, so use game time, and we'll make sure we're all locked in together. Would love to see you all on the road. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to the most. One of the things that I enjoyed the most, getting out to Michigan-Ohio State last year and getting to the college football national title game, like seeing y'all face-to-face, that was really special. And so we appreciate y'all making that happen. Appreciate y'all getting to those games as well. Game time will help you out. All right, this is what I would imagine a lot of y'all are tuned in for. So let's lock in now. Well, maybe this isn't it. Maybe this is one of the things you're locked in for. Let's talk about the zero games played poll. Okay, this is not the AP poll. This is not the coaches poll. This is a poll that is true to form, true to its title. What we see right now with zero games being played so far. So I'm not predicting the college football playoff. We're going to do that here in just a short minute. But I am telling you the teams that I think right now we probably know the most about and the team that we, feels, that, we, that we feel the best about going into the 2023 season. So at number six on this count, now we're going to go with the first two out and then leading into the top four with the college football playoff. Number six, I got LSU. And LSU last year, year one under Brian Kelly, had a huge year. If they can be consistent, if Jaden Daniels can stretch the ball downfield, that's a big part of it. But I'm telling you, consistency in the culture, they can very easily win the SEC West yet again. I say easily. They very realistically could win the SEC West yet again because of how much they have on that roster. Harold Perkins very well may be the best defensive player in the country. I think Matt House is very quietly one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. So the defensive side of things is set. Jaden Daniels, 
is probably the best dual threat quarterback, not named Caleb Williams. They got a lot coming back. They feel much more, I think, reassured from what they had a season ago going into this year on the offensive line. Last year, they were figuring it out on the fly, and they were one of the best teams in the country, played for an SEC title. This year, a lot coming back. Culture, standards, identity, all those things. They're cliche, but they matter. And if they can have that in spades and have that solidified, LSU is going to be very, very dangerous. But right now, given their roster, given how they finished last year, given who their quarterback is, their head coaches, I have them at number six on our countdown of the zero games played poll. Make sure you're subscribed. That's all I'm going to ask. Thank you so much for that. All right. Now, at number five on this countdown, we've got the Florida State Seminoles. And Florida State is on this list and ahead of LSU on this list because, one, they beat them last year. So we're not making a pick in that game right now, but they did beat them last year. So it's hard for me to put them behind LSU. And quite frankly, they're the team that we know the most about heading into this season. Number one in returning production. Over 90% back on the defense. Over 80% back on the offense. Won 10 ball games a season ago. You got your quarterback back. Feel really good about where Florida State stands right now from a roster standpoint. My question for them, how do you handle the pressure? Right? That's the number one question. How do you handle the pressure? Because this is not something that they have been accustomed to in the Mike Norvell era. I'm not saying they haven't had pressure. I'm saying they haven't had this same kind of pressure to win. It was pressure to make a bowl game probably going into last year. And then they won 10 football games. Now people are saying win the ACC, make the college football playoff, all those things. That is the weight that is on Florida State's shoulders right now. That's new for them. So seeing how they respond is going to be crucial. But from a roster, man, I mean, there's a lot to like. And there's a reason why they're so confident right now in Tallahassee, Florida. At number four, now getting into the top four. So if the college football playoff started today without playing any games, again, zero games played poll, they're going to play the game. So this will change. At number four, I have USC. And USC, I mean, there's no way around it. They have the Heisman Trophy winner coming back, the best player in college football, Caleb Williams. 75% production from that offense that scored over 40 a game last year, they're back. The reason why I have them as high as I do, though, what they did in the transfer portal on defense is really encouraging. I mean, they totally just changed the way that defensive line is going to look. That got ran through last year. You hate to say it, but Tulane and Utah, I think they're still breaking tackles right now on what USC's defense did last year. Much better right now. They got Barry Alexander from Georgia. got Anthony Lucas from Texas A&M. They also have Jack Sullivan. Doesn't get talked about quite as much, but they feel really good about him. He's a transfer from Purdue. That defensive line, just from the eye test alone, you're going to watch USC and say, wow, they're actually putting up a much better push than they had last year. You pair that with the offense, they're going to be dangerous. How dangerous? I'm going to tell you in a second here, but USC right now is my number four team in the zero games played poll. Quick note, though, if you're upset about where your team sits right now, there's going to be more polls. We're going to talk more about these teams as we get data. We're making these picks right now with absolutely zero data. They're not predictions. They're not projections. I'm telling you what I know right now. This is where things stand for me. So if you have a different poll, more power to you. Actually, let me know what your poll is because I'd love to hear from y'all. At number three, the Ohio State Buckeyes. They were a college football playoff team a season ago. A lot of people in Columbus feel like, man, if Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't get concussed in that one, we probably walk that thing off and we probably win the national title because Ohio State's beaten TCU. Now, that's last year. We're talking about this year. They have a five-star quarterback. Who's it going to be? I don't know. But a lot of teams across the country would give their left arm, probably a support staff member, 
and someone on their kickoff team to have one five-star quarterback. If you could make trades in college football, they would make that trade in a heartbeat to have either Devin Brown or Kyle McCord. So they're going to have somebody slinging the rock back there that is very capable. Ryan Day has consistently picked the right guy to be his QB. That's why Dwayne Hassens was a first-round pick. That's why C.J. Stroud was the number two quarterback taken. That's why they have Heisman finalists. Almost every single year, it feels like, at Ohio State from the quarterback position, quarterback's going to be fine. The reason why I have them at number three is, well, yes, Marvin Harrison Jr.'s back, but the defensive personnel, man, there was a lot made about the defense last year, and it's fair because there were some snapshots in your mind that you have of Donovan Edwards breaking off a big touchdown run or maybe Georgia hitting that deep shot where the defender's kind of out of position. Like, those to me were mental errors. Those to me were guys being out of position, which quite honestly, is allowed your first year in a scheme, especially when it's as complex as Jim Knowles runs it. Like we were talking about it going into last season. It is one of the most funky defenses to adjust to. So now the report out of Ohio State is you're going from having thought about it too much last year and actually just like kind of knowing what to do instead of just instinctively reacting. They think they've taken that next step now. And the defensive personnel, back to my point, they got some studs now. Went into the portal, Got some help in the secondary. I think Lathan Ransom is actually a better safety than a lot of people want to give credit to. JT Tuimaloau is an absolute dog coming off the edge. We saw what he did against Penn State. Jack Sawyer, he's just playing defensive end right now. He was kind of doing that hybrid role last year. No, no, they're saying Jack Sawyer, go get after the quarterback. He was highly recruited out of high school. Like I really think Ohio State is in a better position than maybe some people would like to believe on the defensive side of the ball. Make no mistake, that will be the difference maker for them to ultimately end up in the final four of this conversation going forward. So we'll talk about that here a little bit later. And number two, no surprise, we got Michigan. Top five in returning production, J.J. McCarthy. I think right now is the quarterback you probably feel the best about in the Big Ten, having not seen anything from Ohio State or anything from Penn State just yet. And Drew Aller, talented kids, but you know what J.J. McCarthy's going to be. I mean, they, they have a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line pretty much back for the most part. You have the best backfield in the country. Like, it's an embarrassment of riches. Everybody from last year's Big Ten title movie is back. It would be very difficult to put Michigan anywhere outside of the top two because we know so much about them. There's not a lot of guessing with Michigan. At number one, also not a big surprise, we got Georgia. Big dog still barking. A lot back on defense. 70% of the production from last year's national title defense is back. That is frightening because Jalen Carter's not there, right? I mean, he's gone. Nolan Smith, he's not there anymore. He's gone. Keely Ringo, he's gone. But still, 70% of the production is back defensively. They allowed 15 points a game. That's frightening. A lot is going to be made of that quarterback position. Honestly, I think they're still in really good shape because of who they bring back on the offensive line, because of what they did in the portal. And also Brock Bowers is just a freak show in his own right. So to recap it for you, in the zero games played poll right now, got LSU at six, Florida State at five. At four, I got USC. At three, I have Ohio State. Two, we got Michigan. And at one, we have Georgia. Now, one logo that's not on here that we're probably going to get the most pushback for. Hey, where's Alabama? Hey, where's Nick Saban at? J.D., you've said a lot of good things about Alabama so far this offseason. What? You didn't put them in your top six, brother? I would would go back to the title of this poll, the zero games played poll. There's a lot of question marks around Alabama. Do I think they'll answer those emphatically with a checked box? Yes, I do. 
but you look at the returning production, they are in the 120s in terms of what they bring back. Now, a ton of talent. I would not be surprised if we did this poll, whatever we decide to call it, when we get to week one after the games are played and we're like, yeah, Alabama's in the top four. I'm just saying right now with what they don't bring back, with who we don't know is playing quarterback, Alabama, to me right now, in the zero games played poll, is probably sitting at number seven. I'm not dunking on Bama. This is not a prediction. This is where things stand right now. This is not a prediction. I have to say it one more time. Not predictions, not projections, where things stand right now with zero games played. Appreciate y'all for that. So that's what we got right now. Also, get at me in the chat. Get at me on Twitter, at J.D. Paquel, or on Instagram, at J.D. Paquel, and let me know who's in your zero games played poll. All right? Very, very curious to hear from y'all. So as I sort of alluded to before we got to that segment, this is probably why y'all, a lot of y'all are here. A lot of y'all are here because we have had multiple questions throughout the offseason. Hey, who's going to win the Big Ten? Who's winning the SEC? J.D., who's winning the national title? And many times you asked phenomenal questions, and I had to just kind of give you the palms up like, hey, man, I don't know yet. I don't know. I haven't even dove deep enough into it. I haven't had to make that decision just yet. So with all those great questions we've been asked over the offseason, we are now here at the point where we're going to answer those. We're going to look those directly in the face and tell you who we think is winning all these Power 5 conferences, who's going to play for a Power 5 conference title, and what the playoff field we believe is going to be who's going to be the national champion it's here it's it's it is it is the reckoning today for us in august we're going to call our shot and if we're wrong we're wrong but i'll tell you what as of today we're right on the money if you could like the video while we are live right now would appreciate that tremendously all right let's get right into it no better place to start than the big 10 conference Let's check out what's going on in the Big Ten. The Big Ten, this is the last year as we know it now, before they get a little bit of a a West Coast influence, if you will. A little bit of a more uh, national reach the Big Ten is about to get here this next season. So the last year as we know it, they still have divisions. And it feels like, for the first time in a minute now in the Big Ten, you have a few more horses in the race. Penn State, huge what-if factor, right? Drew Aller, all the super sophomores we've talked about. We had James Franklin on this very show. And he told us, I think this is not just one of the most talented teams I've had, one of the deepest teams I've had. He thinks they have a chance to be better on the offensive line, which I'm sure is music to Nick Singleton and Katron's Allen's ears. They are very quietly, I think, probably in the top three best backfields in the country. If Drew Aller can be that dude, watch out for Penn State. I'm waiting to see what he ends up being. All right, also... Talk about Ohio State, right? Are they going to be a team that competes for a Big Ten title? The last two years, 0-2 against Michigan. That's probably the hump they have to get over. So in the East, it is just a dogfight. And once they go away with divisions, probably going to see a lot more Ohio State, Penn State against each other in the in the Big Ten championship or Ohio State versus one of those West Coast teams. Or heck, we might get Ohio State, Michigan back-to-back. But out of the East, as of today... I am taking Michigan to show up in the Big Ten title game. Now, we're going to talk about who they play there in a minute, but the schedule for Michigan, I think, is really, really nice the way that it builds. Like, they're going to get to November pretty fresh. Their first real test is at Penn State. They are top five in returning production. And I've said that before. We talked about that a little bit earlier in this live show. You bring back Blake Corum. You bring back Donovan Edwards. Almost all the offensive line. The defense. Like, you have a lot of continuity that you didn't have this time last year. A lot of question marks this time last year. 
But now with the continuity they have and the leadership they have, that I think is the difference maker. And that I think is what's most important for Michigan. A lot's going to be made of their talent. And it should be. Like, they got some dudes now playing for Michigan on both sides of the football. But what comes with returning production, I think the most important thing is leadership. You have guys that have been in the trenches. They've seen the live bullets and won. This is a team that knows how to win. So I think they actually go undefeated during the regular season. I think they do beat Ohio State as of right now in August. We'll talk about that game when it gets here as well. But I really like the way that they stand right now. I think Michigan, especially if they get a little bit more dynamic in the past game, like they're going to be a problem. I think they end up at least getting to Indianapolis. And who do they end up playing? Right in the Big Ten West, who did they end up finding in Indy? Because last year, Purdue, I mean, they made the conference title game with an 8-4 and four record. Minnesota, you never know what they're doing down there. P.J. Fleck and the boys. Rotoboat, Go Gophers, Sky Uma, all that. Like, I'm all for it. I think Wisconsin is a team that ends up playing for a Big Ten title in year one of the Luke Fickle, Phil Longo era. Along with Tanner Mordecai right there. He's also a part of that campaign. Again, 8-4 and four was what did it last year to get to Indy. I think they can do that this year. To me, it just comes down to the new offense. And so much is made of the new offense. It's air raid. They're going to throw the ball around the yard. They got a quarterback that threw for 70-plus touchdowns during his time at SMU. He's going to be a guy like he's probably everybody's favorite dark horse player answer for people. Like, hey, who's a dark horse Heisman guy? You're going to hear a lot of Tanner Mordecai, and that's fine. I'm not here to talk about that. But the reason why Wisconsin is going to be dangerous in 2023 is not because they're going to throw the ball around the yard. They're going to throw the ball around the yard. They're not going to be air raid like we've seen previously from like Texas Tech back in the day with Graham Harrell. They're going to throw the ball a lot more than they're used to at Wisconsin. But what's going to make the difference is them being able to throw the ball more, but still have that same old school Wisconsin hard hat, lunch pail, blue collar, neck roll mentality that they're going to bring to the table. Braylon Allen is a running back that wears number zero, and he looks like a miniature version of Derrick Henry. I promise you when, when that train is coming, get off the tracks they're still going to have him in that backfield, which was an enormous, enormous deal for them to keep him on the roster as they transitioned to the Luke Fickle era. So Phil Longo and company, I think they're going to score a lot of points, and I do think they end up getting to Indianapolis. But when it comes to our pick for the Big Ten Championship, at the end of the day, like football is a game of matchups and the line of scrimmage. And for Michigan, I love where they stand in both of those. Like I don't see a game that Michigan walks into where they say, man, I don't know how we account for the pass. Well, you got Will Johnson. You got Mike Sanders still. Man, I don't know how we're going to be able to, to do it when they load the box against us. Like, what are we going to do when they bring that, you know, for us offensively? I don't know how we, how we answer that. J.J. McCarthy, he's the reason why you made him the starter last year. There's a reason why he's got that cannon for an arm and you're playing him right now. That's your answer. That's what you're doing going forward for this offense. So my pick to win the Big Ten championship I'm taking Michigan, hail to the victors. For the third year in a row, Jim Harbaugh and company hoist the hardware and the good times are rolling in Ann Arbor before they totally just, you know, take the snow globe and shake up what is the Big Ten Conference and add a bunch of West Coast teams. Michigan, yet again, with a more balanced offensive attack, they win the Big Ten Conference. So that's the Big Ten for you, rolling right along. If you could like the video, we'd appreciate that. We're glad to have you tuned in. We know we got a lot of y'all that are new here. So there's a lot of things that we're going to explain throughout the course of this show for y'all that, that are new to the party. We're so glad to have you. Again, only college football, 365 days a year. And there's a lot of people that are kind of stuffy about college football. 
talk about realignment a certain way, talk about the transfer portal a certain way. And we have our opinions on those things. Do not get it twisted. But at the end of the day, when fall Saturdays roll around, we believe that is the best time of the year. And that is something that we celebrate. That is something that we embrace. That is something we emphasize. And that is what this show is all about. So whether you're on podcast or whether you're watching live on YouTube, you can catch us. Monday, we'll have one-off videos for you. But we're live Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But again, there's going to be videos on this channel every single day. Whether they're in the live show or not, you will have content on this channel. Would appreciate you all subscribing. So thank you in advance for that. All right, let's move right along here. Another conference that is going through enormous change after this season, like the rest of college football. We could probably say that for all these conferences. But how about the Big 12? Right, The Big 12 has been in the news trying to keep pace with the realignment stuff. They're a fascinating conference as it relates to 2023. Because TCU, they were 5-7 and seven in 2021. They end up playing for a conference title in 2022, lose it, still make the college football playoff, play for a national title. We won't talk about the national title for the good people that are TCU fans watching the show right now. But they added four teams. They got Cincy, they got UCF, Houston, BYU, all joining the party. What's their impact this coming season? Gus Malzahn and company, man, they have been recruiting John Rice Plumley. I saw somebody call him Bro Jackson because he plays baseball and football, and that is probably one of the funniest slash best nicknames in college football. You love to see it. Don't know that they're a factor this season, but keep an eye on them. TCU, what are they going to do? Well, they lost 70% of the offense from last year. I think that hurts. Still really talented. I'm not counting out Chandler Morris. Dude can spin it. If you remember correctly, he ended Baylor's chances at a college football playoff berth when he just stepped in there and went bananas that one game. So we'll see what he does, but I'm not necessarily buying TCU to look the way they did last year. Kansas State, they were the conference champion last year. I really like what they're going to do this year. I think they're one of those teams that you watch, especially in like late October, November. And if they don't play for a conference title, they are absolutely going to ruin somebody's chances at playing for a conference title. But they lose right around half the production they had on defense. I think they'll still be really good, but I wonder how they respond to that. Also, you lose Deuce Vaughn. And Deuce Vaughn is a generational kind of player. He was one of the best running backs last year in college football. I don't think you just replace him and just plug and play and roll right along if you're Kansas State. So I don't know how I feel about that. Texas Tech, I'm really high on them. Y'all know, man. I mean, I think Joey McGuire is going to absolutely do numbers long-term at Texas Tech. Like, they are recruiting really well right now. When the Big 12 shifts a little bit, I think they have a very real chance to consistently be atop that conference or be consistently in the top tier of that conference. But for me, I think you find Texas, the Longhorns that we talked about earlier in this live show, I think you find them in Jerry World when they play this conference title game. Because for me with Texas, all it comes down to, I am expecting them to be what they are. And what they are is a team with a year three culture that they have built to now and a team that is enormously talented. We talked about the fall camp intel around Texas earlier in this live show. So if you're watching this clip, go back and watch that because there's a lot of intel that you probably want to know about. They feel like this is one of the most deep teams they've had in the last decade. And we've always known Texas to be talented. We've always known they've had somebody that's probably going to have a bright future in the NFL, but putting it together and have something and having somebody behind that cat, if he were to go down or if he is tired and having no drop off from the ones to the twos, that has always been the big mountain Texas has been trying to climb. And now under Steve Sarkeesian, it sounds like they feel really good about the opportunity to do that. 
That Bama game week two is going to tell us a lot about where the Longhorns stand. Going to tell us a lot. Like we'll, we'll talk about it when it gets here. That will be a game that gives us a good litmus test. We're not defining them based on that game, but I'm telling you, if you're a Texas fan and you want to see how you stack up nationally, you go to Tuscaloosa game two. And you feel pretty good about where you stood game one last year. Heck, you feel like you maybe should have beat them should Quinn Ewers stayed healthy last year. I guess we'll never know. But for Quinn Ewers this year, that's a big reason for your confidence. I mean, as a recruit, had as much buzz as anybody coming out of high school. He's chopped the mullet, going a little bit more all business. We're cutting off the party in the back. We're now business in the back and the front if we're Quinn Ewers. And for me, there's so much made about his ability, and I think all of it's fair. But the, the way they feel in Austin is we don't need you to light the world on fire, Quinn. We need you to be efficient. We need you to be consistent. Because we saw really good Quinn Ewers at times last year. We also saw games where he threw 30 incompletions, I believe it was, against Oklahoma State. Now, some of that, I think there's more to that story. I'm not going to speculate too much about what went down in Stillwater and how healthy he was or wasn't. Didn't look like himself. But the bottom line is, if you can get the ball consistently to these wide receivers, you're going to score a lot of points. Like, it's, it's just the way that it is. You got Xavier Worthy who is one of the best wide receivers in college football. Isaiah Nayor is a transfer receiver from Wyoming. I had somebody send me a picture of him at practice the other day. He's like 6'3", 210, but he's like a long 6'3", 210, like the kind of guy that probably wins a lot of jump balls, but he's not wiry. Like he is a built-up 210 coming off a knee injury. Like he's going to be a guy they depend on a lot this coming season. So you hope and pray that he's healthy. I haven't even talked about Jatavian Sanders. The bottom line is Texas and, and A.D. Mitchell, the transfer from Georgia. The bottom line for Texas is they are going to have a ton of weapons, a ton of pieces, and a quarterback that I believe is more than capable ability-wise. And you give all that to Steve Sarkeesian. We've seen Steve Sarkeesian. Now, if he's got some ingredients, he can cook. We saw what he did at Bama with Mac Jones and Devontae Smith. Like, I'm not making the comp there. I'm just saying Give Steve Sarkeesian talent. Give him time. I think they're going to be in good shape. So I think they at least make the Big 12 title game. And who do they see there? Little Red River rematch. Yeah, they see Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. And Oklahoma last year, they were a punchline team. That means everybody and their mama at the end of the year making jokes about, oh, six and seven, oh, Brent Venables, oh, wish you still had Lincoln Riley. Like, that was kind of the, the noise that was going towards Norman, Oklahoma, and some of it's warranted, right? Like six and seven, the people in Norman, Oklahoma, that's not their standard. They're not cool with that. They're not like, yeah, great, six and seven, awesome, good for us. No, they don't feel that way. But I think by nature of the moves they made this offseason, I think they have fixed the issue, if that makes sense. Because last year, it's no secret, the issue was the defense. They were out of position a lot. I don't think they had the personnel they needed last year. And so what does Brent Venables do? He went and got eight new defensive players from the transfer portal. Desam McCola being one of them, who I think is going to be a dude. Going back to that part about the problem being fixed for Oklahoma, if the problem was the defense last year, I saw a lot of guys just being out of position. Like I didn't see a lot of plays where guys aren't finishing through on their assignment. Like it was the guy just wasn't even anywhere in the realm of making the play. And so that tells me a couple of things, or what it could be, rather. One is you just missed the assignment because you didn't know what to do. So some of, uh, some of that is us as coaches, and some of that is the, the players being able to pick up what we're putting down, and we've got to simplify things. But Brent Venables now, he's coached defensive football for a long time. 
he's been able to put really good defensive units on the football field. I understand he doesn't have the title DC, but make no mistake about it. This is Brent Venable's defense. I don't care what is said. So when that happens, when you're out of position, either we're out of position mentally, that's one part, but I think more likely the versatility required to play Brent Venable's defense in Norman, Oklahoma last year, they did not have that from a personnel standpoint. And that's why you go get Desan McCullough to probably help you at Cheetah. Jaron Kanick, a guy who is extremely fast in the 100 meters coming out of high school, is going to play linebacker for you this year. You got Stutz playing linebacker as well. Like They have a lot of pieces that I think are going to be more of a fit this coming season because they replaced a lot in the front seven. And if you want to play Brent Venable's style of defense, you have to be able to do multiple things and do multiple things well. I don't think they had that personnel last year to run this defense, and that's why you saw what you saw. But offensively, man, like people kind of forget this. Every single game that Dylan Gabriel was healthy in, they were in. The only games that Oklahoma was just kind of a no-show was Red River and TCU. TCU, Dylan Gabriel gets hurt. Red River, Dylan Gabriel doesn't play at all. Outside of that, man, Oklahoma lost a lot of close games, but even so, they were in a lot of those games. And the offense, to me, was not the issue. Dylan Gabriel and company, I mean, they scored right around 30 points a game. Jeff Lebby and him are back for another go at it, another go at this thing, dynamic duo. What it comes down to, offensive line holding up their end of the deal, and the wide receiver play, having somebody that can separate. Andrew Anthony is a transfer receiver from Michigan that they feel really good about what he brings to the table from a speed standpoint. Still got Drizzy Drake Stoops lined up in the slot. Jaleel Farouk on the outside. Like The offense is going to be built to go fast, run the football. When that defense creeps up, we got deep shots down the field. If we can hit those deep shots, we have a wide receiver that can separate. They're going to be really good. And I think they got some guys that can do it. So for Oklahoma, I think they end up making it to the Big 12 title game. However, I think the Big 12 champion is Texas. Because I think Texas, they just have a different kind of edge to them this year. It means something. Building to a year three culture and building to a year three roster. As opposed to Brent Venables now. Yes, he's in year two, but he's also going into his second year ever as a head coach. I am very much so bought into what Oklahoma and Brent Venables are building. But I think when it's all said and done, I think the Texas offense is just elite. I think the defense is is good, but I think the Texas offense, man, they're going to score their way to a Big 12 championship. So Texas, for my money, is your Big 12 champion. Appreciate everybody tuned in live. You could like the video. That'd be tremendous. Also, if you could just tell a friend to subscribe. Say, hey, you love college football, and I don't want you listening to this other stuff they're trying to feed you. I want you to lock in with us. This show only talks college football. It's ball and only ball right here. Make sure you're subscribed. And also, maybe throw them the podcast link if they're into that kind of thing. So just maybe something that you could do today to uh, you know, kind of check off the good deed for the day, if you will. We appreciate you doing so. All right, the ACC now. Another conference that I don't know if, I don't know what it's going to look like going forward. I don't feel like Florida State and Clemson are staying there long term, but even so, man, 2023, no more divisions. No more divisions. They said the Big 12 is doing what? The Pac-12 did it how? Yeah, we like that. We're going to roll with that. So there's a lot of dangerous teams, I think, but they also have a lot of big question marks across the board. Like North Carolina, I love me some Drizzy Drake May. If you've watched this show for any length of time, you know we call him No Drama Drizzy. Because whenever he steps on the field, you know what you're getting with him. You know he's going to give you buckets. You know he's going to be a problem for defenses. He's going to throw the ball all over the yard. He's going to hold up his end of the bargain. But my question for North Carolina, like, 
who's catching the football for them. At the time of us being live, Tez Walker has been denied eligibility for this coming season. So I, I hope that changes. I don't think that's really the conversation we want to have right now. But I, I mean, I don't agree with that. He was one of their top guys they were going to go to this year. The defense leaves a lot to be desired. Defense has got to pick it up. I think they could be better, but that's a huge question mark. I can't pick them to win the ACC. Miami, I think they're going to be much better than last year. Like last year, no mistaking about it. Like that was not the Miami football team that Mario Cristobal is going to have in Coral Gables long term. However, I do think they're going to be much better. Did a lot through the portal. I just really have a question of if they're already in contender mode. Like I think last year was a bit more of a reset than I would have liked to see out of them. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they ended up competing for the ACC title and they're in that mix somewhere in November. But I just I'm worried about the transition period for them going from five and seven to conference title contender. That's a little bit of a stretch for me right now, at least. And they'll play the games and maybe we change our answer week two. Duke is another team that's dangerous. I mean, Riley Leonard, the NFL draft community loves this dude. Like, they think he is the best NFL draft prospect not named Drake May or Caleb Williams. Now, I'm not an NFL draft guy. I have friends that do that and that get paid well to to do that. But for me, like, I just know he's a baller when it comes to the college football level. The defense is replacing a lot. I think they'll be really solid. Again, they're one of those teams that kind of like Kansas State in the Big 12, I think they give you issues when it comes to your conference title chances if you got to play them in November or October. Like, hey, Clemson plays them the first Monday game of the season. They play them week one. They got to go to Durham, North Carolina and play Duke. I don't love that for Clemson, but still, I think Duke has a little bit too much of a question mark outside of Riley, of Riley Leonard to, uh, to pick them in the ACC. Now, however, I do think Florida State is in that game. I think Florida State gets to the conference title game. And like I said multiple times throughout this live show, like we just know the most about Florida State right now. We know the most about them. 94% production back on defense. That allowed 22 points a game. 80% of the production back on offense. That scored 35 a game. But if you're in Tallahassee, Florida, what you're excited about is the transfers you went and got. Jaheim Bell. You feel really good about what he's going to be at tight end, transfer from South Carolina. Heck, he played running back at times last year for South Carolina. Like, that's how much they wanted to get him the football. They were dinged up at running back and said, let's just hand it to Jaheim Bell. And it it actually worked pretty well if you watched the end of their season last year at South Carolina. But Keon Coleman, man, they are loving what he's bringing to the table right now in fall camp. He was wide receiver one at Michigan State. Could have been wide receiver one at Michigan State this coming season. He's a problem now. You turn on his tape, you turn on his highlights, rather. He's just, I mean, usually you hear the term 50-50 ball when it's in the air. It's not a 50-50 ball. The ball's in the air. It's like 90-10. Keon Coleman's coming down with that. And that sounds kind of hyperbolic. If it is, it's not a hyperbole about much. (laughs) Hyperbole. It's not much of a stretch to say that's kind of the way it works with Keon Coleman. Dude's a dog. Jordan Travis, another year in the saddle. You feel really good about where you are with Florida State. They won 10 ballgames last year. They're getting to the ACC title game. There's no guessing with them. You know what you can get with them. Now, what do we get when we get to the ACC title game? We'll see, but I'm not worried about what they have under the hood at Florida State with Mike Norvell. He's done a phenomenal job there. Now, who do they see in that ACC title game? They get a rematch from week four with the Clemson Tigers. And on paper, man, I love Clemson because... They have all of the tools to 
to be an elite college football team. Like they were an elite college football team last year. They won the ACC. They bring back 75% of that defense that won the ACC last year. I said it before in this live show as well. Barrett Carter, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Probably one of, if not the best, linebacker combos in the entire country. Xavier Thomas, he's back for another year. He was one of the best recruits in the country coming out. Like, he's a dude that's going to wreak havoc this coming season. I promise you, he's going to bring a lot for them off the edge. This defensive line, I think, will kind of look like the defensive lines we've come to expect from Clemson over the past couple of years when they were winning national titles and they had Christian Wilkins. Peter Woods, man, I should have mentioned this in our fall fall camp intel segment with him. Uh, They feel like he's going to be a problem, and not just like down the road. Like, they feel like he's a great football player today. Some people at Clemson were saying, usually you get these freshmen that show up on campus, and year one for them is all about making good on their talent and becoming a great college football player. Like, in practice right now, he already is a great college football player, and I believe he's only going to get better. Again, that's a kid that was a, a five-star coming out of high school and uh, was a big pickup for Clemson to get. So the question then goes to the offense. And Garrett Riley, man, I think he's bringing some new juice. Last year, Clemson won the ACC. They only threw for over 300 yards one time in the regular season. And that was that shootout game against Wake Forest. So I'm not dunking on DJ Uyunglele. I think DJ Uyunglele actually is going to prove this coming season that the system last year at Clemson ain't it. But you feel really excited about bringing in Cade Klubnik. And it may take some time. I'm not saying give him the Heisman Trophy game one because we still don't know what he's going to be. But I think as time goes on and he grows more in his role as the starting quarterback at Clemson and kind of makes the most of what this system is, I think that offense is going to be really, really dynamic. Because the guys they have getting healthy in that wide receiver room, Adam Randall especially is a name we're going to talk a lot about this coming fall, I promise you. Guy who was hurt last year, or I don't know if hurt, he was coming off of an injury last year, and then I think he's going to be a guy that really helps you this coming fall. Uh, Antonio Williams, you know what it is with him. Going to be a sophomore. He was the only guy that stretched the field. They're going to be much more dynamic in the pass game side of things like they averaged 6.8 yards a pass last year TCU was top 20 in that stat Garrett Riley is going to scheme more guys open you're not just hoping that somebody separates one-on-one it's play action it's we got the defense moving with motions it's tempo and then we take our shots where we can get them so Clemson offensively will look very different and score a lot more points so for the winner of Clemson Florida State round two I would I will just say this right now I think whoever wins the first game of the season it will be very, very difficult to go 2-0. Like any way you slice it, I think you have a series at 1-1 when it's all said and done for Clemson, Florida State. And I think for Clemson, man, the experience side of things. Like this team at Clemson, they have a lot of guys that came back as fifth or sixth year guys because they feel internally like, man, we got to get Clemson back to college football playoff Clemson, back to national title kind of Clemson. Like the ACC is the first block in that. And so what I'm saying is the experience they have internally, I think pays dividends. Florida State has a lot of experience as well, but I think Clemson has experience winning in these kind of football games. I think at that point in the year, Cade Klubnik is not even considered a first-year starter anymore. So I think Clemson actually probably drops the first game of the season. But I think they, not first game of the season, first game they play against Florida State this season. But I think they end up winning the ACC championship. Important note, though, for this one. Do not be surprised if we end up in this game, and this is not a prediction. I'm just saying we should should all be on watch for this. Do not be surprised 
if we find Florida State undefeated in that game and we find Clemson with their only loss to Florida State in the regular season in the ACC title. It would not be the wildest thing ever if you had Clemson and Florida State find themselves in the college football playoff with one loss. I don't know what would happen to the college football universe. I don't know what that would mean for realignment. But I'm just saying that is not outside of the realm of possibility by any stretch. But for me, I'm picking Clemson to win the ACC. That'd be a big one. That'd be a big one for the boys in Clemson, South Carolina. Man, Dabo Swinney, a lot of opinions about him right now. If they were to win the ACC, after all the talk about Clemson not using the portal and what they do in NIL, like, I'm just saying, man, I think Clemson likes when they're not being talked about as one of the big dogs, and I think they end up flexing their muscle a little bit this coming season. So we got the Pac-12 up next. And what do we make of the Pac-12 conference? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I've been on a couple podcasts and said this because I think it's important that we all are on the same page going into college football season. There's going to be a lot of really good football games played that are kicked off right around 10 Eastern time, PM. Okay? So all of us together, what we need to do, go to your local CVS, maybe your local Publix, Kroger, on the West Coast, I know Major Market and Albertsons. Those are big venues that you go to to get your groceries. Wherever you go, I want you to stock up on Red Bull. I want you to stock up on uh, Monster Energy, Rain Energy. I personally, I enjoy caffeine pills. Probably another show for another time, but that's how I get my caffeine intake. Because there's a lot of games we need to make sure that we stay up for during our college football Saturday that have a lot of Pac-12 teams involved. Like, I could be convinced of, like, four or five teams being a conference champion when it comes to the Pac-12 conference. I mean, Utah, they're back-to-back conference champs. I worry a little bit about what Cam Rising is going to bring to the table. Like, I hope he's healthy. I hope he's ready to go. And that that doesn't, you know, impact the way that he looks the rest of the season. The defense last year gave me some pause at times. There were a couple of games where they didn't look like they played really well when teams attacked the perimeter against them. The game against UCLA comes to mind. You beat USC twice, but there were a couple of times against USC where you're like, hey man, those playmakers are hurting them. So I'm worried about Utah also going three in a row is just just very, very difficult. I mean, Washington, they may have the best passing game in all of America. No way around it. They may have the best pass game in college football with Michael Penix Jr., But that defense, man, that secondary, they allowed 268 pass yards a game. That's tough to do in a conference where you have a Caleb Williams, where you have a Bo Nix, where you have a Cam Rising. Like that, that's a tough formula to work with. Oregon State, I mean, they are everybody's dark horse. And if they're everybody's dark horse, are they really a dark horse? Like that's kind of the question I want us to ask. I'm really waiting to see what DJ Uwe Ungalale does for them. That narrative with what he did at Clemson could change very quickly if he goes out there and starts balling. I mean, Oregon State, I think they are kind of like a Utah junior in some ways. You know what you're getting with them. You know they're going to be physical in the line of scrimmage. You know they're going to play tough defense. I wonder what DJU is for them from an impact standpoint. So they're everybody's dark horse pick. But I mean, I think the, the obvious for me, like USC is going to be in this game where I would be wildly surprised. As we sit here in August, I'm picking USC to be in this Pac-12 title game yet again. With what they did on defense in the portal, the way that they improved the uh, well, the offensive line, I guess, also benefited, but the defensive line specifically, Bear Alexander, transfer from Georgia. Anthony Lucas, transfer from Texas A&M. Jack Sullivan, transfer from Purdue. Where are these cats transferring from? SEC and Big Ten schools. Lincoln Riley understands, for us to compete what we want to compete for, 
which is national titles and college football playoffs and what we did last year against Utah, the way that we didn't look like we got to get better personnel. So they go where they have the big people in those conferences and they bring them to LA and good for them. Caleb Williams is back for another go around, man. Like, you know how we feel about him. Last year, he was just carrying USC. This season, I think he'll have a little bit more help defensively. But even so, man, like, they have 75% of the production back from last year's offense. And last year, going into this season, with all the transfers they had in Lincoln Riley's first year, and like Caleb Williams and all that they could be, like, there was a lot of optimism. And you heard a lot of, like, talking coming out of the USC circle of what USC was going to be and how good they could be. But, like, this coming season, in camp right now, in the USC circle, it's pretty quiet. And not in the sense that there's not headlines, there's not excitement. It's pretty quiet in the sense that they are confident. Like, they don't have to talk about what they're going to do anymore. USC is built for this now. It's a confidence thing. And Caleb Williams, as long as he's the quarterback for USC, as long as he stays healthy, uh, they're going to have a very real shot in the Pac-12 conference. Very real shot at the Pac-12 title. They were good enough to make it to this game last year. They improved on defense, and with what they bring back, I don't see a reason why they won't be back in this game this coming season. Now, who do they meet there? The Oregon Ducks. The Oregon Ducks with old Bo Nix and Dan Laning and all that Nike money and uniforms they have like Oregon. Now, I am excited to watch this team. If y'all have watched this show for any length of time, I am enormously high on what Dan Laning is doing there. He came on this show, and he's probably one of my favorite interviews we got a chance to do. Dude is all business. Dude is all football. And Bo Nix is really like the straw that stirs this drink. We understand that. And there's a lot made about what happened last year. And, oh, man, Bo Nix finally kind of made good on what we thought he could be. And now he brings in a new OC. Kenny Dillingham goes and takes the head job at Arizona State. Good for him. But there's question marks around Bo Nix with this new offensive coordinator, Willie Stein, coming from UTSA. And I will say this, man. I I think what we saw last year was the real Bo Nix. And last year was big for Bo Nix to be able to prove that to everybody else in the country, of course. But there is something to be said for the journey Bo Nix has had and the way that he has built to a year like last year and the fresh start he got to have. Because I don't know that we talk about this enough. Bo Nix grew up in front of our eyes. And there is such a thing as playing too early. Was Bo Nix ready to play that first game of his career against Oregon? I don't know. You'll have to ask Bo Nix, but it sure looked like it by the way that he performed. But even so, that is such a tough spot to step into with his legacy at Auburn, his dad played at Auburn, all the pressure on him to be the guy to bring Auburn back and what he was as a recruit. Like it was, it was, I would, I would imagine like a pretty loud circle to be in any time that you had bad Bo show up. And so for him to get a fresh start, to be in a new place, to be far from what he's known, to play for a coach like Dan Lanning, and to have the success he had last year. I mean, he was a Heisman candidate last year in my mind. I think that does wonders for his confidence. And so I think he will kind of pick up where he left off last year. I think there is likely a internal assuredness about him, and I think that radiates throughout this team. Defensively, that's probably where your question lies. Like, they had issues last year in the secondary. No way around it. It's why they held that L to Washington at the end of last year. Did a lot in the portal, added four new defensive backs, made a huge pickup on the defensive line, getting edge defender Jordan Birch. He was a five-star-plus player out of high school, played at South Carolina last year. Like He's going to be, I think, a problem for the rest of the Pac-12. They were very excited to get him, I promise you. So I think Dan Lanning and Bo Nix are a reason for 
a lot of belief right now. I think Dan Lanning has this team believing. And so I think Oregon absolutely ends up in this Pac-12 title game. But when it comes down to it, man, I think USC is just on a mission right now. Like, I think, I think they're on a mission. I think Caleb Williams, you saw a lot in that Johnny Manziel documentary. And I personally couldn't help but draw the comparison from the circus that was around Johnny Manziel at that point in time to the circus that's around Caleb Williams right now. Now, obviously, two different players, two different people. But I think for Caleb Williams, the circus and the excitement and the hype and all that, I think he kind of welcomes that right now. And I think he is staying locked in on what the ultimate goal is, by the way, that he talks about his desire to play for the college football playoff. Like, I think obviously doing that, getting there, would would be winning the Pac-12 title to start. The way that he's so laser-focused and the way that Lincoln Riley is, I think, capitalizing on all of the noise around USC and what they didn't do at the end of last year, I think that they're the edge. And I think that uh, when it comes to the defensive side of things, they do enough to take Caleb Williams from being like the equalizer. Defense, you weren't good enough last year. Caleb Williams, let's keep us in the game. They do enough to make him the edge. I'm not saying that they end up being like the best defense in the country. I'm saying that they improve enough to allow Caleb Williams to take advantage of him being like the best player in college football week in and week out. So for me, I have USC winning the Pac-12 conference. That'd be a lot of fun too, man. If we get USC Oregon in the Pac-12 title game, can you imagine the buzz around that one with both teams leaving the Big Ten? Like the tickets would sell itself. I don't think anybody would have an issue staying up and watching that game, regardless of what time it kicks off at. So it's no, no, uh, no secret why we saved the SEC for last. A lot of y'all that tune into this show, you are SEC fans, and we're glad to have you here. And the SEC right now has is, is made its case for the best conference in college football. And there is a lot of, I mean, there, there's a crowd in the SEC now. Like, it's not just Georgia, and it's not just Bama. Like, there's Tennessee, and they probably have the biggest boom factor in college football. If Joe Milton makes good on what he can do physically, like, oh, boy. Watch out for Tennessee. If that defense can improve, they got you holding your breath right now, but if they can improve, that second-to-last game of the season against Georgia will be... I mean, they could sell pay-per-view tickets, and I'd buy one, and I'd still be locked in. Um, Hopefully, we're at that game, but we'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens the rest of the season. Ole Miss, man, you can never count them out with Lane Kiff and the lane train. Things rolling right now. If they can figure out quarterback, that defense, I believe, will just be better than it was last year. And Quinshawn Judkins, for a lot of people's money, is the best back in college football. So we'll see what happens there. You can't count out Ole Miss. And let's put some respect on Kentucky's name while we're here. right? Let's talk a little bit more about Devin Leary. No, he's not putting mayonnaise in his coffee. No, he doesn't have the biceps that Will Levis had. But his best season at NC State was far superior to Will Levis's best season at Kentucky. Now, Devin Leary had trouble staying healthy. Now they're going back to uh, Liam Cohen as the offensive coordinator. Like... I really like what Kentucky has offensively, especially with who they have at the wide receiver position. They're going to be very difficult week in and week out to be able to just double somebody with them. Like, like you can't just double Dane Key. You can't just double Tavian Robinson. You can't just double a guy like Barry and Brown. So keep, a, keep your eye out for Kentucky because whenever you want to double one of those guys, somebody else gets loose. So we'll leave it at that. In the East, until someone proves otherwise, I think Georgia's the top dog. 
I mean, I just do. I mean, you know what it is with them. They're ridiculously high when it comes to their floor this year. They bring back almost the entire offensive line. 70 produ- or 70% of the production is back on the defensive side of the ball that allowed 15 points a game from that national title team. Brock Bowers is the alien that the government has told us that they have. Like, everyone's like, oh, I wonder what the alien looks like. He wears number 19, and he suits up for the Georgia Bulldogs every single fall Saturday. And you can watch him. He wears number 19, like I just said. Dude's a dog. Pun intended, but also not really. There's two things that could stop Georgia. One is surprising and unexpected drop-off in quarterback play. The second is complacency. I believe in Carson Beck. I don't think that they're going to be complacent when it comes to what Kirby Smart has them doing. I think it's against his code of conduct. So in the West... Is it LSU or Bama? LSU, there's a lot to like there. I am just not totally convinced just yet that they're at cruising altitude. They had four games last year that were decided by one score, and they were 3-1. and one. So they came up on the right side of those and won the SEC West, but even so, man, they were just a different team week in, week out, and it's difficult for me to pick LSU to win the West based on what I haven't seen just yet. So when it comes to LSU, I don't know they're going to be able to, to be as consistent as we've seen and I don't know they're going to be able to be as dynamic downfield. If they do that, it'd be something we haven't seen yet, which again is kind of my whole point with why I'm not taking LSU to win the West. I'm taking Alabama. Last year, it felt like Alabama was a little bit out of control. It was snap the ball, get it to Bryce Young, and let's go play ball. This year, when you talk about Alabama, you talk about them in the sense of having a plan. We talk about the formula with Bama this year. Run the football, control the game, make people quit in the run game, hit the open shot downfield when you have it, and then play free and downhill on defense. We talked about it earlier. There's a lot when it comes to Alabama that hasn't returned to Tuscaloosa, like a lot of unproven production. But what they have in-house, they've recruited in the top two every single year since 2019. Every year since 2019, Alabama has been in the top two of the on-three industry team recruiting rankings. Translation, They have a lot of dudes with four and five stars next to their name that can play some ball. Regardless of who plays quarterback for Alabama, I think they're going to be in really good shape. I think that it's just Nick Saban once again, just listening to everybody talking about him and what Bama's going to be, and then they go out and they play, as they like to say in Tuscaloosa, murder ball. So I think that's what they do, and I think they end up in Atlanta, and I think they end up winning the West. However, I think Georgia is just too potent offensively I think what you had last year with Stetson Bennett was phenomenal. You have a quarterback this coming season who I think has some other physical gifts that are going to allow you to maybe stretch the ball downfield in some other ways more frequently than you had. Still really balanced, still really potent. Defense plays the way that Georgia's played the last couple of years. I got Georgia, when it's all said and done, winning the Southeastern Conference. So that brings us now, and I want to roll here right along with y'all. Subscribe if you haven't already. Like the video if you haven't already. We appreciate y'all. To the college football playoff field. And we're not going to look too deeply at this. We're not going to overthink it. But here's where we stand when all the dust settles. At number one, you probably guessed it. We got Georgia. I think they're undefeated. We know what it is with them. We know what it is. The schedule isn't ridiculous. They're going to be fresh when it comes to November, that second to last game of the year. They're going to be ready to roll. I think they go undefeated. I think they're your number one team in the country when it comes time for Selection Sunday. At number two, kind of same song, second verse. We know what it is, man. We know what it is with Michigan. If they're able to be a little bit more balanced offensively, I mean, say your prayers for the Big Ten, man. 
like legitimately. You know what it is when they have that run game going. But if J.J. McCarthy gets dialed in consistently deep, that means those weapons stepped up in a big way. Like this is also a team with how much they bring back production-wise that knows how to win. We said it before. I'll say it again. The talent is a big deal to bring back. But the leadership and the experience, the continuity, they've all got one mission. That is national title or bust. So Michigan makes the college football playoff. They're your number two team. They're the Big Ten champ. Now at number three, they may have a loss on the schedule, but they win their conference, and it's the USC Trojans at number three. They probably have the most buzz around them right now in fall camp when it comes to like being a polarizing team and what Caleb Williams will do or what they won't do and Lincoln Riley can't win the big one like I think they hear all that but what they did through the portal and the edge they're going to have and the way they're going to be more balanced from the offense the defensive side of the football I said it before I think that they now have a defense that is going to allow Caleb Williams to go from being the equalizer the guy that keeps you in games to being the edge that allows you to win the games He did a lot of that last year, but I think there's a little bit more balance, a little bit more help for him. Again, they're laser-focused. I think USC is that third team in the college football playoff. So a lot of y'all, when I asked you on Twitter, you had these three teams down. It was some variation, but a lot of y'all had these three teams down. So either we're all going to kind of look a little bit silly together when it comes to Selection Sunday, or we're all going to be right together. But there was a large variance on this fourth team. I think Alabama doesn't win the SEC, but I think they find a way into the college football playoff. They're going to surprise a lot of people because everyone is talking about Saban being passed by. Who's playing quarterback? Are they going to be able to be consistent? A lot of question marks. That's totally fair. But this roster, again, I said it, enormously, enormously talented. Only top two classes for Nick Saban. That's it. And I'm going to be real too. I'm not falling for Nick Saban and Alabama playing possum. Everybody wants to say they're down, they're dead. Like, hey, 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 we've seen this a few times. 2008, multiple losses for Saban and company. 2009, Natty. 2010, lost three games. 2011, Natty. 2014, first year of the college football playoff. That's what it was. Okay, now finally has to go another game. Can't just rely on the BCS. Saban's done, man. Yeah, you guessed it. Next year, Natty, 2019. Two losses, 2020, national title. I'm not falling for it. We're buying the dip. Alabama is your fourth team in the college football playoff. So how does it shake out when we get to it? Well, you got Bama and Georgia with a rematch of the SEC title game. Again, I think it's very difficult to beat a team twice. But I think if someone's going to do it, Kirby's going to be ready for this one. I think the offense of Georgia changes the tempo of this game yet again. I think they're able to beat Alabama. They punch their ticket to the national title game. This game will be a lot of fun. Traditional kind of Rose Bowl feel to this. Hopefully, you got Michigan versus USC, Big Ten, Pac-12. Last time, there'll be conference foes here pretty soon. Instant classic. All right, back and forth, shootout, Caleb Williams, crowds going crazy, a lot of points being scored. At the end of the day, though, I think the Michigan offense evolving and their defense still being as experienced as they are, I think that makes the difference. Again, instant classic, close game, Michigan punches their ticket to the national title game. And this was the game that we all wanted to get last year. And I'm not saying this in the sense that like, oh man, we're so bummed we got TCU, Georgia. Like a lot of people throughout the year were watching Georgia one, Michigan two, Georgia one, uh, you know, Michigan three, especially after they beat Ohio State. We were all saying, okay, heavyweight bout, coming right up, Michigan, Georgia, here we go. We're all ready for it. 
then TCU does what TCU did. And credit TCU for that last year. Nothing to take away from them. But we get it this year. We get Michigan and Georgia, two of the best line of scrimmage teams in the country, two of the most experienced teams in the country. I think this one is also close. I think this is a college football playoff that we look at and say, man, those were three really, really freaking good games. There's not a snoozer like we had in the national title game. When it's all said and done, though, I think Georgia has something that Michigan may not have quite as much of, and that is team speed. And they have it defensively, but also they have it offensively. And I think they will stretch the field a fair amount in addition to pounding the rock with that experienced offensive line. The team speed of Georgia is the difference. They beat Michigan. I think it's probably still fairly close in that game. But Georgia goes three in a row under Kirby Smart and wins the national title in 2023. Appreciate everybody tuned in live, man. Typically what we would do right now is we would go to y'all in the live chat and get to your questions, get to your thoughts and concerns. We actually, on this very YouTube channel, in a couple of hours, have got not one, but two commitments coming your way from Duncanville, Texas, Duncanville High School in Texas. We got five-star plus edge Colin Simmons committing on this very channel here shortly. So stay locked in. Make sure you're subscribed future shows, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern, we're going to get to those and we're going to hear from y'all and chop it up. It'll be a real good time. But hey, if you're new, welcome. There is no more time for us to mess around. You love this game. We love this game. We're cut from the same cloth here, man. It is college football 365 days a year and only college football 365 days a year. None of that extra stuff. No additives, no proprietary blend, whatever they put on protein shakes that you know kind of has a, a funny like legal system to it. You get what I'm talking about. It's ball and only ball. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at Judy Pakel. We're going to put some content on those platforms where we can interact and kind of have a back and forth during the week as well. But again, after this week, next week, we are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Lock in. It's college football season, man. Like your video on the way out. Subscribe on the way out. So, so excited to have you all a part of this college football community. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling, and we will see y'all next time. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.